We begin last Sunday on a new series we're calling The Ministry of Reconciliation. So would you please go with me to scripture that we looked at. We'll do a little bit of review. If you weren't with us, then uh, you can get the previous message. It won't cost you anything. You can go online, watch it. Look with me in Psalm 133, and then we'll be going also to Ephesians 4. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, you know, there's, uh, there's being together, and then there's being in unity. <laughs> you just because you're in the same room with somebody doesn't mean there's unity. Right? <laughs> Keep reading. He said, verse 2, it, it is this, this good, pleasant unity is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron, Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. There is a direct connection between blessing and unity. You believe it or not? Well, for one thing, the Bible said faith operates by love. Faith works by love. No love, no operation of faith. No operation of faith, no power manifested. You remember in 1 Peter, it talks about 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, there's details given there about how uh, husbands should treat their wives and wives should treat their husbands. And he finishes that passage by saying, lest your prayers be hindered. So that your prayers won't be hindered. What does that tell you? Fussing and fighting hinders your prayers. <laughs> well, that's not good, right? You want your prayers hindered or you want your prayers answered? Well, then we got to get a hold of the fussing and fighting. Or our prayers will be, why would your prayers be hindered because of fussing and fighting? Why would that be? Well, we already talked about, well, it's going to affect your faith. Faith operates and works. Anything that affects your faith is going to affect an answer, going to affect anything like that. But also, yielding to strife is yielding to the enemy. It's giving him place in your affairs. That, the Lord actually gave me this phrase some years ago, and I think you'll see it in the scriptures in James when, when we get there. Couldn't guarantee we'd get there today. We'll, we'll see. But, but uh, the Lord gave me this phrase that strife is the manifest presence of the devil. There's scripture that goes along with that. We'll talk about it. But manifest presence of the devil. Have you ever experienced strife? You can walk into a room where people have just been having a fight and not even know it or heard it and walk into it and you can feel it. Is that right? Well, what are you feeling? 
What are you feeling? You're feeling a manifestation of spirits. These things are real. Well, you should be able to experience a manifestation of peace in a place like this. Is that right? And in your home too. If the Holy Spirit is in manifestation, it's not going to be strife. It's going to be peace and and joy. Hallelujah. Well, that's what he's saying. How good and how pleasant it is when people, brethren, and we are everyone that's born again, we're brethren, when we're dwelling together in unity. He said it's like the anointing oil that came on top of the high priest's head and flowed all the way over him down to the skirts of his garment. It's like the blessing of dew that rests on the mountain's top and flows down. For there God commanded the blessing. Is there a connection between unity and blessing? Yes, there is. Go with me to Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace. Now there's all kind of revelation there. For the next several verses, he keeps emphasizing the word one. Notice he says, verse four, there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. What's he talking about? Well, he just got through talking about unity. A unicycle is a <laughs> one wheel, right? Bicycle is two wheels. What's unity? Una. One. Oneness. We're all on the same page. And we Christians should be on the same page because there's only one body of Christ. There's only, somebody said, what about all the denominations? There's only one body of Christ. When you get to heaven, they won't send you to the Baptist section (laughs) or the Catholic section or the Pentecostal or Word of Faith. (laughs) Oh, we put those folks over on the west side. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. The factions are things that men have come up with. And factions keep splitting and splitting into other factions. Why? Because people couldn't get along. They couldn't stay together and work together. And you'll hear people say, Well, well, why can't we all just get along? I don't know. Why can't you? Why don't you get along with everybody? Why aren't you still friends with everybody? No, it's easy to say. It's this pie in the sky utopia. We we, we just all need to get along. 
ain't happening in this world, in this lifetime. Because there's an enemy, there's a devil, and there are people yielding to him. And we're not all in the same spiritual family. If you haven't been born again, God's not your father. Jesus told the most religious people of his day, religious leaders, he said, you are of your father, the devil. So, you know, people try to talk about the, the universal fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man. That's not true. That's not true. You must be born again or you're not in the family of God. According to the Bible. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, <laughs> we'd have to talk about something else, I guess. But no, the Word of God reveals the truth. And the truth will do what for you? It won't put you in bondage. It'll make you free. So we're going to be talking about getting along with each other, you know, reconciliation as this goes further. But we're, we're focused on this part first. Getting along with God. Being reconciled to God. That's the first thing. And that's the main thing. And that's why in the present state with the earth, nobody, excuse me, I'm not saying it right. There'll never come a time when everybody gets along with each other on the planet. And there'll be perfect harmony and peace until the Lord comes and changes things. Why? Because there's so many people Who are not reconciled to God. And if they're not reconciled to God. You're not going to be able to be reconciled with each other. There's spiritual nature that is opposite each other. And I know that doesn't make you happy. But it's it's how things are. You first got to be reconciled to God. And when you're reconciled to God. And the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Now you can be reconciled with a lot of people that you wouldn't have been able to be prior to that. Of course, all brethren should be able to dwell together in unity because our natures have been changed. But one, 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 he keeps saying. But now notice chapter 4, verse 1 again, what's involved in walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called? Verse 2 describes how you do this. With all what? Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So these words, it's easy to just read over them, but look at verse 2 again. Verse 2. When people think of you, do these words spring to mind? (laughs) Meek, long-suffering, forbearing, put up with others. (laughs) It should. And this is key to, to holding on to the unity of the Spirit, isn't it? If people are meek and humble instead of proud and haughty, if they're long-suffering instead of impatient, if they forbear one another, put up with one another, instead of being completely intolerant of your, you know, lack of development or whatever the case might be, (laughs) 
let me let me take a little side thought here just for a minute. We're commanded not to judge. Have you read this in the scriptures? Judge not, so you won't be judged. You cannot judge without being a hypocrite. Did you hear that phrase? A judge, according to James, is not a doer. When you hear somebody coming down hard on somebody about something, without knowing any details, you know they're acting hypocritically. They're not doing what they're claiming others should be doing. If they were, they'd be more compassionate. They'd be kinder about it. If you're actually accomplishing what you're saying others should be doing, you know it's not that easy. When you're actually doing it, but it's easy to uh, imagine what others should do and think it doesn't apply to you. We've had any time numbers because we're ministers. People say, well, you know, I just feel like that you should do this. The Lord's just dealing with me that you should do, the church should do. Well, that's real easy to have a leading for somebody else, Amen. right? Amen. That costs you nothing. Amen. But people say, well, I'm not a preacher. What's that got to do with you not being a hypocrite? If you feel like this is what should be done, then guess what? You should be doing it. Amen. Right? Amen. Do what you say should be done. And so, uh, that's a side thought. <laughs> Skip on down with me. He, he mentions it again, verse 13 in chapter 4, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Talking about growing up in Him. Now skip all the way down to uh, verse uh, 24. He said, Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we're members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now, anger is a very significant part of this. In James, you know, he said, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Being like God is being like that. It didn't say you could never get angry. He said you need to be slow to anger. Anybody listening? Yes. People say, well, I thought you, you're not supposed to be angry. No, he didn't say that. God gets angry himself. Is that right? We're made in his likeness and image. The big thing is, two, two things he mentions here, don't be quick to get mad. And if you do get angry, don't sin. And, well, I guess there's three things right here, isn't it? And, and don't let it last. Don't let the sun go down on you being mad. If we all really practice this, it would change things, wouldn't it? First of all, it takes a lot to get you mad. And even then, you're not going to sin, no matter how mad you are. And then, you're not going to stay mad for weeks and months. That's being devilish. Y'all with me? That's being ungodly. That's actually, how could you stay mad 
for weeks and months. You're refusing to forgive. You won't forgive and you're bitter. Well, that's hurting you big time spiritually. And a big problem with that, the Lord said, if you won't forgive them, I won't forgive you. Did he say it? Have you read it? This is serious. Serious. So uh, when it comes to anger, and, and one reason this is such a big deal, this is one of the big ways that people give place to the enemy. This anger. And the more you yield to it, the worse it gets. And so you've got people that grew up in places where people were just yielding to rage. And they've done it all their life. And now, you know, you yield to it long enough, you yield almost before you think. And just keep yielding. And people say, well, I don't even half realize what I was doing. Well, that's only because you've yielded to it for so long and so far, but you don't have to. You do not have to. And so you stop letting yourself yield to that. You stop letting yourself. And of course, read it again. I mean, aren't there some some powerful answers right here? He said, uh, verse 26, be angry and what? Sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Should we take the Lord seriously about this? You get real mad and real worked up over it. What are you going to do? How long is this going to last? <laughs> read, read the scripture. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You got to get a handle on it before the sun goes down. It's what sunset right now. It's what about eight o'clock, eight twenty or something in the evening. So you got uh, just a few hours <laughs> to get over it. Help your neighbor look at him and say, "You got to get over it." <laughs> you have to. <laughs> the Lord told you to. <laughs> now you, you you must not turn around and tell the Lord you can't, because <laughs> He knows better, right? He wouldn't have told you to do something you can't do. I'm sorry, but I just I just got too mad. I can't. That's not going to carry water. That's not going to work with Him. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and if you'll stop yielding to that, it'll get less and less in your life. And then you'll go for days and it won't happen. You'll go for weeks and it won't happen. You'll go for months. No significant issues. And even though you've been a hot head and terrible temper for all your life, you do not have to be that way. Y'all with me now? You do not have to be that way. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The greater one lives inside you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? Say it out loud. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. Anger, but don't sin. Anger, but don't sin. And don't let the sun go down. Don't let the sun go down. <laughs> On your anger. So, uh, keep reading. He said in verse uh, 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What grieves him? What grieves him? Let all bitterness, verse 31, and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This grieves the Spirit of God. To be bitter, raging, angry, speaking evil against people, 
malice. Verse 32, instead do what? Be ye what? Kind. Kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now this is a, a flow continuing from maintaining the unity of the spirit. Back back in verse 3. This flows continues to flow from that. Where, where he said you know. Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. A lot of times folks read over this so quick and are not impressed with it. <laughs> what do you mean? If you want to talk about authority in Christ, if you're going to have a meeting on that, people may get excited. Yeah, I got authority. If you want to have a humility conference. <laughs> oh, everybody come. We're having a, we're having a get meek conference humility conference why are you laughing because see that doesn't sound like oh yeah yeah let's do it yeah (laughs) and yet do you remember what Jesus said he said come learn about me well we could say let's have a learn about Jesus conference and what was the rest of the passage I'm meek and lowly in heart You cannot be like the master and be arrogant and have a raging temper. That's not him. That's like who? That's like your enemy. The devil is the proudest being we know anything about. He is pride personified. And he is anger and he is rage. And he actually takes pleasure in killing. I'm not going to shed one tear. When he gets thrown into the lake of fire. When he gets removed from human contact permanently. He needs to be. Because he's never going to change. He's never going to repent. Every evil thing you've ever heard about or seen. Was inspired by him. And it's only a part of how bad he is. He delights in stealing and killing and murdering and destroying. And he's proud about it. How many would agree? We don't want to be anything like him. Nothing like him. But then you've got to quit yielding to this rage. Because that's him. You've got to quit being bitter and holding grudges against people. Because that's him. Because you do that long enough, you, you know, rage and, and not forgive and be bitter, you'll start planning revenge. You'll start planning to do something about it. And that's not this. Kind. Come on, am I read verse 32? Kind and what? What's the opposite of tenderhearted? Hard-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has loved us. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Can you do this? Has the love of God been shed abroad in your hearts? It's a choice. We can yield to anger that we feel. We can yield and plot and revenge and 
Or there's something else inside us when you've been born again. The love of God. And if you yield to that, it'll make you tender hearted. That's not being weak. It takes a lot more strength to be tender hearted than it does to be hard hearted. Do you know it or not? It takes a lot more strength to, to be in control of your feelings and emotions instead of out of control. Look with me in the book of Luke, please. Boy, the more I get into this, the more it grows on me. This is a big subject. <laughs> I said it's a big subject. It, it really is It's the whole Bible. From the time Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God implemented a plan to get us back. Is that right? We lost ourselves, but he had a plan through his own son to reconcile us back to him so we could be in unity with him, in unrestricted fellowship with him. We could have a relationship with him, and not just a relationship, but full fellowship with him. And that fullness is joy. Hallelujah. That makes life worth living. When you know everything's right between you and God, when you know that and you experience that, the sky is bluer. The grass is greener. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it's peace and it is joy. Well, it's just like you and your loved ones, your, your family, your, your spouse. Do you know if things are right between you and them or not? It's not a trick question. You, do you know? <laughs> now, here's something we, I think we'll get to in time to come, but so many are pretending everything's okay when things are unresolved and not dealt with when they could be and they should be. People do the same thing with God. There are things unresolved. Things he told you to do. Ten years ago. That you hadn't got around to yet. And you know. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean he's holding it against you per se. But it's something between. You and him. And it affects you. You know. Peter when the. When Jesus got on his boat and they caught the big supernatural catch of fish, Peter shrank back in the boat and said, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. That, and that doesn't even make sense. I mean, this is one of the best days he's ever had in his life, right? He has heard preaching and teaching like he's never heard before. It's changed his life. He's, he's a, been a fisherman for who knows, maybe all his life. He sees a miracle in his business and all these fish, that's money. That's money. You sell these fish, that's money. You pay. Maybe he paid his boat off that day. I don't know. This is big stuff. And yet he wants Jesus to do what? Go away? Go away? Why? Because he felt like that, that he's sinful. And so there's something between me and him. I, I'm not good enough to fellowship with him or to be around him or whatever. That's what I'm talking about. 
things unresolved. But Jesus came and paid the price and was made sin for us. So we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we could be completely reconciled to God with no bit of sense of inferiority or shame or condemnation. We're talking about complete reconciliation with God. Full, unrestricted, unhindered fellowship with the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been bought. It's been paid for. It's been given to us. Are you enjoying it, child of God? If you're not, come on, let's get all the way in. All the way in. (laughs) Quit throwing them temper fits. (laughs) Is that right? Quit holding grudges. Because that, that hinders you. It doesn't make God love you less. It causes you to shrink and draw back from him. Come on, can you see this? And not have the full fellowship. You, you're holding back. Because you, you know, you, if you think somebody's mad at you or you're upset with them for some reason, what do you tend to do? Avoid. Is that right? Oh, there they are. I think I'll go this way. You know? <laughs> now we're laughing about it because it goes on all the time. It's going on at work. It's going on. It's why a lot of people stopped having family reunions. <laughs> Years ago, our Thanksgiving get-togethers, our Christmas get-togethers. Why? Because they just had one too many falling outs, and they just don't want to be around each other. Well, see, that's, that's the opposite of being reconciled. That's being divided. That's being alienated, estranged from one another. Well, we are not to be estranged from God. There's to be no distance between us and Him. And we're not supposed to be estranged from each other either. If we're mature believers, we should be able to get over it. <laughs> Help your neighbor again. <laughs> Tell them, say, get over it. Get, get over it. <laughs> Got to get over it. Come on, you, you think we're going to take all this junk to heaven with us? No. You get to heaven and you see somebody across the way and you go, oh, I'm not, I'm not going around them. I'm... Didn't know they were here. <laughs> I, think so. I think two things are going to be a big shock when you get to heaven. Who's there and who's not there? <laughs> I really do. I think it's going to be a big surprise. Because uh, it's not a matter of what you saw on the outside. It's about the heart. And God knows the heart. And thankfully, there are a lot of people who lived bad lives. Who in the last few breaths of their life gave their heart to the Lord. Oh, somebody lift a hand and say thank you. Because that that means you can see some people you you thought were not going to be there. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Did you find Luke? Luke 6. You had plenty of time to to find him. Luke 6.35. Luke 6.35. Jesus said, Love your enemies. 
All right, we're getting somewhere now. (laughs) Do what? Do you do that? (laughs) There's a lot of people, they just get, you know, they just, they get hurt so bad, they don't know what to do if they find out they have an enemy. I want everybody to like me. Everybody didn't like Jesus. Everybody didn't like Paul. You going to be the first one that everybody on the planet likes? Servant's not above his master. In fact, there's a lot of folks, if they like you, you should be concerned. <laughs> if, if they, with what they like, if they like you, no, no. Love your enemies. Doesn't mean you have to agree with your enemy. To love your enemy. Doesn't mean you have to feel warmly towards them. Now this this is what many have not understood. God is love. Not just a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Say that out loud. Love. Is not a feeling. Now, love will affect your feelings, but love is not a feeling. God is love. You wouldn't want to just relegate to Him to being a feeling. Love is a command. Well, a command is not a feeling. Did He command us to love one another as He loved us? That's a command. Did He say anything about how you felt in those verses? About if you feel like it. No. See, here's the thing. You can love somebody when you feel terrible about them. When you feel like avoiding them. When you you just don't want to see them. You don't want to hear them. That's when you'd be walking in love the most. When as an act of your will, you're going to do something that's love for them towards them instead of how you feel. You feel like hurting them. (laughs) But we're not going to do that. that, Come on, help me out. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Because, see, your your body didn't get saved. It was the inner man. So your body will still do anything that Joe Sinner will do if you let it. No, love is not a feeling. Love is a person. Love is a command. And so he should love your enemies and do good. Lend, hoping for nothing again, that your reward and your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Say that out loud. Kind Kind. to who? To the un, to people who don't even appreciate you being kind to them, and and one thing that'll help you with that, you're not just doing it for them. You're doing it for him, because he told you to, whether they appreciate it or not. You're doing what he told you to do. Kind, kind. Everybody say kind. 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 He is kind to the unthankful. And kind 
to the evil. Isn't that something? Young's literal says, your reward will be great and you shall be the sons of the highest because he is kind to the ungracious and evil. Kind. Just this one word. Change the way you interact with people. If we embrace it and yield to it. What is kindness? What's the opposite of being kind? Yeah, somebody said mean. Yeah. What's mean? What's mean? What? Kind or harsh. Harsh is a good antonym. Harsh. Remember he said tender hearted. Also in talking about being kind. In Ephesians 4. Tender hearted. Instead of hard hearted. Kind and gentle. Instead of hard and harsh and sharp. Now we live in a world. Ungodly world. That thinks being strong means being hard and sharp. But it's not true. It takes less strength to be like that. It takes a lot more strength when you feel like being harsh to get a hold of yourself and be kind instead. You get mad, you get upset, you get rubbed the wrong way, and the enemy will come and push you at times like that. Push you to raise your voice, yell, scream, berate, you know. And it takes a lot more strength to get a hold of yourself and realize at times I don't need to talk about this right now. You can catch yourself in, in mid-sentence. You can say, I, I want you to know one thing. I got to go pray. And I'll come back, see you later. <laughs> or, you know, let me tell you. God loves you. <laughs> and I do too. And I'll see you later. <laughs> Love is not a feeling. And this is one of the greatest revelations you can learn. Love is a person. Love is a command. It's not a feeling. It's a choice to keep the command. It's a choice to act on. To be kind. Oh somebody say kind. Kind. The Bible said the, the love of God, the God kind of love, is kind. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 said, love is long-suffering, it's kind, it does not envy, love doesn't vaunt itself, is not puffed up. Love is kind. It's kind. You know... It's not uncommon for people to take something in the scriptures that really is the exception and make it the, try to make it the norm. And you'll see people take statements like when Jesus went into the uh, temple and drove out the money changers. Or, or he said to somebody, you hypocrites, and, and spoke strong to them. Sometimes people will, will seize on that and, and they try to do that 
all the time and say they're acting like Jesus. That was the exception. That was the exception. If Jesus raises his voice to you, it's because you're about to go off a cliff, darling. Come on, are y'all with me? But little kids loved Jesus and wanted to be around him all the time. In fact, they would flock him and, and the disciples were trying to tell the people, no, get all these kids out of here. And he said, no, leave them alone. Let them come. Little kids don't want to be around grumpy, mean people. Right? The Bible said he was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above all his brethren. Jesus said, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. He said, you'll find rest to your souls. Jesus is love manifested in the flesh. Hallelujah. He is kind. Now yeah, he can get upset about something. Yeah, he could raise his voice. That's the exception though. Do you understand that? That's not day in, day out. That's because you hadn't listened for the last 30 times. Right? <laughs> and you're about to really, really mess up here. Hmm? And you see the people that he was stronger with were people that were acting hypocritically. They weren't even trying to. They were judging others and not even trying to do right. But even with them, he's kind. You watch it the moment anybody gets serious with him and will repent, love flows. Forgiveness flows. Kindness flows. Is that your hero? You want to be just like the master? When you grow up. Is that right? Well he's kind. He's kind. And now listen. It's easy to make excuses. And to say well you know. I'm having a rough day. I'm going through a lot. I don't feel good. That's not okay. How's that excuse you being mean? Now understand. We've all got feelings. But what it is, it's, it's a convenient excuse for yielding to something that you shouldn't be yielding to. Right? I know. I, now, it's no fun to hurt. I used to work in healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry, and I saw a lot of bad situations physically. And, and, um, but I, I've seen it both ways. I've seen people that had hardly anything wrong with them get just as mean as could be and just use it as an excuse. Demanding, sharp, hard, harsh. I've seen other people who were just terrible shape and still kind. Still kind. You knew they were in bad shape and yet still be kind. So you know it's possible. Right? You know it's a choice. Do you want to be like Jesus says? Huh? Jesus is kind. He's kind. Oh, somebody say kind. 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 Go to Romans, the second chapter. Romans 2, please. Man, there is so much here. Romans chapter 2, 
You see a big reason why the enemy fights this so hard. Romans 2, verse 4. He said, do you despise the riches of his goodness? Now, that word could also be translated kindness. And this is an interesting thing. If you want to do a word study on it, it's interesting. The word kind and the word good have overlapping meanings and applications. A lot of times it could just as easily be translated kind as it could could be good. Kind is good. He said, uh, you, do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness are, again, a lot of translations right there will say kind, kindness. The goodness and kindness of God leads you to repentance. In the Proverbs it says the sweetness of the lips increases learning. The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Why would that be? It's just a fact that uh, packaging matters. <laughs> the delivery of something matters. <laughs> Presentation matters. If you don't believe so, look around in marketing. Billions are spent on it all the time. A lot, of pop, a lot of times people will buy a nothing piece of junk if it's in a nice box. <laughs> or if there's a great commercial that goes with it. Well, we have the word of life. We have the word of truth. But how we deliver it is a very big deal. And the attitude we come across with. If we're combative, or if we're kind, if we're hard, judgmental, you're going to hell if you don't change. Well, honey, that's not the good news. That's the bad news. And we want to give them the good news first, right? Now, if they reject it, we got some bad news for them. But give them the good news first, and if they receive the good news, then you got no bad news for them. Somebody say kind. 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 Gentle. Come across secure. Minister peace. Minister life. People should be able to tell just when you look at them. And by the way, you say, hi, how you doing? That you care about them. Not some light plastic thing, but it's real. And in the softness of speech, instead of demanding, a lot of times, just this one simple thing here, asking instead of telling. (laughs) You ever ever heard somebody say, you asking or telling? (laughs) And people, you know, say, say, well, now you have to forgive me. You have to. Actually, they don't. No, you didn't. No, they don't. They don't have to do anything. Well, God told them to. Who said they had to do that? No, they don't have to. They should, but God's not going to force anybody to do anything. 
kindness. If we'll take a moment and pause, the Holy Spirit will show us how to ask questions so that people don't find it offensive. And we're not starting out this thing being confrontational. Right? Ask a question. How do you see that? How do you understand that? And a lot of times you've got to realize today's not the day <laughs> to talk about this. They're not open to this today. Today's not the time to bring this up. Maybe it's a problem, but the Lord said this to me some years ago. He said, uh, he said Keith, after I'd made some mistakes, obviously, but he said, Keith, it's not what you know. It's not what you see. It's not what they need. It's what will they receive. It doesn't matter what you see, how clearly you see it, or how badly they need it. If they won't receive it, all you've done is push it and cause an issue. He said, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Everybody say goodness, goodness. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. Thank you, Lord. Go to Proverbs 30. You'll get a kick out of this. It'll help you out. I think we can close for today. But man, we are we barely scratching the surface of this. I, I hope you can come back because we need, we need to get on into this a bunch further. Be tenderhearted, he said. Kind one to another. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Has God ever been kind with you? Has ever been patient with you? Have you ever been a pain? (laughs) Have you ever been annoying to God? Didn't listen? I mean didn't listen for a long time. Well, don't be a hypocrite then. If he's that way with you, you should pass it on. Be kind, be gracious with other people. Because that's how he's been with us. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So we should be kind, forgive other people the same way. Treat other people the way he's treated us. And continues to treat us. Listen to Proverbs 30. One of the biggest reasons that strife continues. is what Brother... uh, Kenneth Copeland said decades ago, he asked the Lord about our problems we have, you know, between churches and ministries and denominations and groups. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, one of your biggest problems is your dogged determination to correct one another. Did you hear that phrase? Your dogged determination to correct one another. And you can sum it up by this phrase, pushing it. Pushing it. Do you like to be pushed? Who likes to be pushed? No hands. Just the the very emotion of it. Somebody pushing you. Do you you like that? No, they don't like that. (laughs) Well, you don't like it emotionally either. Or spiritually when somebody pushes you. And just keeps pushing you. Pushing you. <laughs> I see heads all over cross ground. You've got to stop it. You've got to stop it. 
<laughs> That's the opposite of being kind. It's being pushy. Pushy. Not being meek, but being arrogant. Proverbs 30, 33. Great truth revealed here. The churning of milk makes butter. Now, most people don't know about these days. You think, what? What is a churn? Butter does not just magically appear in the uh, grocery store aisle. It starts out as milk. And it has to be churned. Now churning is uh, somewhat of a violent process. <laughs> you know, it's a, the milk is churned and, and forced and pushed. The wringing of the nose brings forth blood. <laughs> Get a hold of somebody's nose? No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and you just, you ring, 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 ring. I mean, what's going to happen? Blood's going to come out. You churn the milk, keep churning, you're going to get butter. You keep wringing the nose, you're going to get blood. So the forcing of wrath brings forth strife, which is the manifest presence of the devil. Pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, forcing of wrath. You're going to hear me. You're going to hear what I'm saying. You're going you're gonna to listen to me. You're going to do this. When you get into forcing, you have left the Holy Spirit. He can no longer be involved with what you're doing. Because God does not force people to do things. Period. Even, somebody says, yeah, but they need it. Even if it means people going to hell. God won't force people. If he's going to force people to do anything, he would force them to receive Jesus and be saved. If he won't force people to do that, he won't force people to do anything. You got people trying to imply that God's making everybody do this and that. It's just simply not true. He will let you do about whatever you want to do. And you get into the devil's, he's a possessor, he's a forcer, he's a killer, he's a destroyer. He's got no qualms trying to make you do something. But you don't want to be a part of that. Churning milk until it becomes butter. Wringing the nose until blood spurting out. Pushing a thing in anger until strife breaks out. Somebody say, by the grace of God, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to yield myself. Let the Lord remind you and set a watch at the door of your, your lips and your ears and help you to see when you've already said something three times, now it's time to shut up. You've already brought it up. They don't want to hear it. So hush. Change your subject. Tell your neighbor again, get over it. Get over it. <laughs> but can you see the cause of this? Hanging on to something and pushing it and being demanding and being hard and harsh. This is taking on devilish characteristics and qualities. This is not because you care. This is you demanding your own way. 
You're going to have, well, I do care. Maybe you do, but this is not how it works. It doesn't work. You'll just make people want to get away from you. But kindness, that's another thing. What's wonderful is with the kindness and love of the Lord, people that strongly disagree with you, maybe unbelievers, can come to where they like you. (laughs) And sometimes all you need to say is, well, now you know I don't agree with that. (laughs) But... How about those rays? <laughs> you know, and how about, have you tried this new restaurant over here? And the sweetness of the lips increases learning. And sometimes it's much, sometimes it's years. But then in a time of crisis, they may want to find out more about how you've managed so well all these years. How God's brought you through again and again, right? Because you wasn't pushy, you wasn't demanding, you wasn't forcing it. But you're there. Amen. And when they want to hear, you speak right up. Unashamed. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. I know this is different today. But if we just got this one thing and implemented it, it'd change lives. And that is kindness. Hallelujah. Being kind. Close your eyes, lift up your hands if you would. Say it out loud, Father God. I yield to the love that shed abroad in my heart. And I thank you that you are kind with me and not hard with me. You're not a mean God. You're a gracious God. And if you've been kind to me, I can be kind to others. Remind me, alert me anytime I start to get too hard or too harsh or to push. Help me to realize it. Bring this to my remembrance and I'll stop with your help. I'll be gracious gracious. and I'll be like the master master. and be meek meek. and strong and kind kind. in Jesus' name. name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.